Eleven years ago, when I was applying for colleges, financial difficulty threatened to destroy my chances of paying off tuition. My mother and I made a day trip to the place that I thought would be my future alma mater. After walking the campus, meeting the students and staff, I was convinced I had found my home. My mother's response, on the other hand, was, well, less enthusiastic. As the deadline for my tuition drew near, I persisted in believing that God would provide, and that he did. Days later, after pleading for a miracle, we received a phone call from the Office of Student Affairs. I couldn't believe my ears when I heard the news. An anonymous donor had agreed to pay the tuition for my first year. To this day, I do not know who that person is. Now, all of us have been on the receiving end of a gift. The act of giving is an invitation to relationship. The assumption is that one will repay that person's generosity, either with a simple thank you or perhaps a gift of equal or greater value. However, no matter what the response is, the act of receiving leaves us indebted to the giver. And this truth goes even deeper when we reflect on all the ways in which we depend on the daily generosity of others. Garbage collectors, sewer cleaners, power line repairmen, janitors, waiters, and restaurant staff. How many of us consider the hands that manufactured our iPhones and other assorted gadgets? Perhaps someone we know is struggling with addiction and requires the assistance of others to bring about healing. The human project is, at the same time, the mystery of salvation. It is the marvelous act of God woven together by invisible threads that tie us inexplicably to one another and to the cosmos in which we live. Like my anonymous donor, God has bestowed on us a gift that cannot be matched. In today's gospel, Christ tells the Pharisee not to invite those who can give him recompense, but rather the lame, the blind, and the crippled. Most of us have probably most of us probably hear this exhortation as just another moral precept we should follow on the path to becoming good people. But what if being a good person isn't good enough? Holiness is not religious altruism. Neither is it the reward for social justice. Jesus does not polarize himself against the rich and the middle class, as though wealth were a crime. Over and over again, we see him dining with people from all walks of life. The whole point of telling parables is to challenge the cultural assumptions that society takes for granted. It is to break us out of our narrow viewpoints and open us up to the real norms that define a truly Christian culture. So, if we were to read Jesus' parable from the position of those who are invited— Suddenly, we become the helpless ones, the blind, the lame, and the crippled. The challenge is not so much following a set of rules to make it into heaven, but of carrying the burden of our sins and allowing God to bring healing whenever and wherever he chooses. 
The host of this banquet of misfits reveals himself to be Christ, feeding us with the spiritual food of his body and blood. However, we can overlook the fact that while he is indeed presider over this great gathering of invalids, he is also the guest, the unobtrusive neighbor who expends himself for the good of the human project, despite knowing that much of his labor will go unheeded. The key, then, to understanding the parable is humility. Both our involvement in Christ's work of redemption and his own self-abasement and the ultimate sacrifice of the cross. Recall for a moment how Jesus begins his discourse with an admonition to his fellow guests. Immediately after, he shifts the perspective to that of the host. In this theological seesaw, we glimpse the entire trajectory of our movement towards holiness. Taking the lowest place, is akin to accepting our human frailty and utter dependence on God. Only when we have reached a place of humble acceptance can we become that truly magnanimous soul who knows his own worth as much as he knows the worth of others. Because he is one of them. Because he sees within himself the sufferings of others. St. Paul says in his letter to the Philippians, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as refuse in order that I may gain Christ. Paul, knowing Christ's love for him, despite his extreme brokenness, was able to become that gracious man of God who became all things to all men. Jesus, likewise, offers us his wounds. Seen in the light of today's parable, they become our wounds. As the blind, the lame, and the crippled, our sufferings become the place of privilege between us and the beloved. Think of it as a kind of spiritual intimacy in which Christ has invited us to enter into his passion and resurrection. Our salvation isn't about doing it does not consist in attempting to prove ourselves worthy of he- excuse me worthy of heaven by performing good deeds this would be to reduce the paschal mystery to a kind of self-improvement program for dummies god does not reward gold stars salvation is an unmerited gift all of us were baptized into christ that itself is a remarkable thing God has placed an indelible mark on our souls as the pledge of his undying love. In this love, gratuitous and utterly free, desires that we become like him. Without any effort on our part, God chose us from the beginning to bear the image of his Son. So, as we gather around the table of the Lord, Let us take the lowest place of a humble disposition and join Christ in our ascent to the Father. For whoever eats his body and drinks his blood shall be called blessed in the kingdom of heaven.